Welcome back. This is Encounter with God here on Faith FM. And Mon, can you believe we're going to have a new Prime Minister today? I wish they would have an encounter with God. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kind of wondering what you mean by that statement right there. <laughs> Take what you will from my comment. <laughs> okay, I'm going to read a couple of passages. I know we're about. I know we're supposed to be in the Book of Acts, but you know I love the Book of Daniel, right? Oh yeah, yeah you do. Let me read you something from the Book of Daniel. Go on. Let me read you something that Nebuchadnezzar stated. Now he was one of the greatest statesmen who has ever lived on the planet ever. True story. Um, and he made this statement here. In verse uh, Daniel chapter 4 and verse 3, he was, of course, a Chaldean. Um, he wasn't a Jew or a Hebrew or an Israelite or anything like that. Uh, the Bible says, or Nebuchadnezzar says, How great are his, that's God's signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom, watch this, is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. Aren't you so glad that in the kingdom of God we have some stability in our government? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like this, like... This verse gives me hope. It gives me peace. Yes, it gives me hope uh-huh. and it gives me peace because I look out of the, you know, the last 10 years of politics in Australia and I think, what on earth is going on? It's Can more entertainment just, than politics, isn't it? It's become, it's become um, low-quality reality TV, yeah, yeah. Big Brother, uh-huh. Stab in the Back. Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember the, I remember when the whole um, Kevin Rudd, Julia Gillard thing started going down. I remember where I was and everything. I, I remember I went and I made a bowl of popcorn and I <laughs> sat down and watched TV. I didn't watch a movie. I watched politics for entertainment. <laughs> because it was more entertaining. Because I couldn't have believe you, it was you, happening. Have you ever watched Big Brother? No. <laughs> oh, no, I don't think I have. <laughs> yeah, when it first came out, I think I watched all of half an episode. Uh-huh. And it was about all I could stomach. I'm, Your mind-numbing yeah, kind of stuff. Um, all the Big Brother fans out there are crucifying me right now, but that's okay. Go ahead. We all have. It our- was an interesting social experiment when it first came out. It was like, well, well, wow, what is this? And right now, Australian politics is an interesting yeah. social experiment. Yeah. And, uh, you know, <coughs> Nebuchadnezzar goes on to state. And, of course, he knew something about government and about stability in government because mm-hmm. his government, you know, was uh, went through seven years of instability. At the end of those days, his seven years of instability in his government, he says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that lives forever and ever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. That's the kind of... Okay, this is the the kind of prime minister we need to have This is the kind of encounter with God I wish they would be having. This is what I meant. Absolutely, mm-hmm. where they can where they can look back and say, okay, we've had ten years of instability right now. Let's actually, you know, model our government after the government of God. I'm not calling Amen. for a union of church and state. Don't get me wrong. I'm not calling for religious, you know, laws mm-hmm. and all this kind of thing. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just calling for people to say, okay, there's a there's a better role, there's a better model out there of government than what we have right mm. now. Just you know, continually backstabbing and oh, just the rights and the wrongs of it aside. Yeah, because it can be so disheartening. I just, I can't imagine. And being a young person today, coming into this messy world of like corruption and foolishness, and yeah, not you, knowing you and God. I, you and I are old enough to remember stable government. Yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah. And I can, you can imagine these kids, you know, who are thinking like, "What on earth is this? How it really is?" And just being so hopeless. I can't imagine not knowing God and coming into the world how it is now. Like you, yeah. you need to know God. You need to know the, you know, what He says about the future. The, what He's prophesied. How this is all just coming to pass and how it's all going to end. That's a good bit. You, you know how it's going to end. There's not like a sense of, uh, of, of fear or. or 
or uncertainty. Like we know how it's going to end. And I think that's one of the best things about the Bible. So yeah, if you're a young person and you find this all very disconcerting, don't worry, turn to your Bible. That's where the answers are. I mean, okay, so that was the, uh, what, what we read there was the statement made by a, <clears throat> one of the world's greatest emperors and one of the world's greatest statesmen. Mm-hmm. Nebuchadnezzar was just not just an emperor, but he was also a a, a great statesman, a great politician. Uh, he was a great builder. He united, you know, huge parts of the world. This is this is a guy who managed to unite. Now you think about this. Here's a guy who united Iran, Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, Israel, and everything in between. Wow, that is that's incredible. Now he did do some of it by force, uh-huh. but he wasn't actually a great warrior. He was mm-hmm. much more of a builder than he was a mm-hmm. warrior. Yeah, he was responsible for the ancient seven wonders of the world, the now, now hanging if, gardens of Babylon. If, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, mm-hmm. That's the guy. That's the mm-hmm. guy. Now, you imagine for a moment what it would take to unite those countries. If we had a politician who turned up today and who could pull that off. Wow. Yeah. You would have a statement of exceptional quality, a statesman of exceptional quality. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this is the kind of quality that we are lacking in our world right Absolutely. now, particularly here in Australia, where it's all just become a bit of a joke um, on either side. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <coughs> um, I'm thinking of running, actually. What do you reckon? Would you vote yeah. for me? <laughs> I feel like running right now. Fast. <laughs> Come on now. Who would away. vote for me? Run away. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I like that. I like that Bible verse so much. I think we should post it up on social media. So I think, yeah, I think I might stick it up. Yep, absolutely. Couple, Let's do that. A couple of pictures of uh, good old Malky up there as well. <laughs> <laughs> Check yeah, it out. Yeah, let's let's post it up there. And uh, but 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 that was that was a, um, a, a, a an emperor that we read from. Yeah. Let's read the words of a prime minister. How about that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Go on. Possibly the world's greatest prime minister who ever Ooh. lived, and you'll find those words in the same book. Mm-hmm. And if you are looking for hope, if you are feeling unstable and a bit anxious about what is going on, um, here is some good. Uh, some, 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 some great, um, a great message for you right here. So let's read what it says in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 44. The Bible says, in the days of these kings, and it's actually referring to our period right now. And so in the days of these political leaders, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. The kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all those kingdoms and it will stand forever. It's not hard to see how the kingdom of God would break in pieces and consume the ones that we have happening around us right now because they are so weak mm-hmm. and crumble at the slightest opportunity. You know, it's really diminished the office of the prime minister. It's true. Because you sort of feel like, well, anybody who you know, feels like it just puts their hand up these days and, and becomes prime minister. And, yeah. And it's like, okay, hey, I met the prime minister. They're like, great. Well, maybe tomorrow's going to be a different person. You know, and it makes you feel bad, and it makes you feel ang- anxious, and it makes you worry about our country. And yet, the Bible says that in the days of these kings, in our days, the God of heaven is going to set up a kingdom, and it will be stable, mm-hmm. and it will last forever. Mm-hmm. It will be a kingdom of love. There will be no hurt, no pain, no destruction, uh, no crying, nothing like that. The Bible says because the former things have passed away, and so we have a great hope to look forward to with the kingdom of God and the government of God. Amen. Amen, for sure. It's one of the most <coughs> yeah, hope-giving thoughts, actually, and stories of the Bible. And, um, yeah, I think we it's, it's well worth studying and re-studying so we can have, uh, I guess, something to build our faith on because I don't think that we should be blindly believing anything. So this is a good faith pillar, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Very good. Well, we should uh, probably jump out of the book of Daniel. I could spend all day here in Daniel. Yeah, you could. And, uh, you know, we could... This, oh, what, what, what do I do here? There's so many good passages. You know, Darius the Persian comes along. Darius the Mede. Do you want me to drag say. you back to Acts? Is that what yes, you want? Yes, I need to drag you back. <laughs> Darius the Mede. Hey, speaking, let me, let me, let me read speaking of Acts, maybe we should give our new clue for our quiz. Oh, mm. I forgot about the quiz. Yeah, mm. let's go there. Okay, who am I? The people in Corinth were in division because some were following Cephas and some were following me. Mm. Mm. If you know who that is, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. Let me read you a statement made by Darius the Mede. Not one of the greatest uh, emperors or statesmen who ever lived, but a co-ruler with Cyrus the Persian who was. Mm -hmm. He makes this statement. He says, Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that live in the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree. Then in every dominion and kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion it shall be even unto the end. He delivers and he rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and earth. He has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Yeah. Yeah. Great political leaders right here. Very and much so. Amazing. You know, Daniel was a prime minister under three emperors and two world empires. Think about that. I wonder what he would do if he was here now. Yeah, imagine, imagine, mm-hmm. imagine somebody with that level of experience mm-hmm. standing up in the Australian Parliament and making a speech. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is a guy that served at least 50, maybe 60 years mm-hmm. in government. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, held the government together during times of terrible crisis, guided a nation from one empire to another. Just truly amazing. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, you're going to drag me back to the book of Acts? Yes. <clears throat> All right, let's go back to the book of Acts. Where were we? <coughs> I sound disappointed, don't I? I shouldn't be disappointed. Acts is awesome. I just like Daniel. It's my favourite. Okay, Acts, where are we going, Mon? Acts chapter uh, 15? Uh, yeah, and I think we're up to, oh, I don't know, we're up to 16 maybe now? No, we're in 15. Oh, we're still in 15. Yeah, How we're many still in chapters are in Acts? 20 something? 28, I think, something like that. Uh, so we're, um, we should be past the halfway mark. Acts 28, yep. Yeah, I guess we are. Okay, well, let's read verse 22 to 29, please. No, we already read that. Let's read verse 30 to 33. The messages once sorry, the messages went at once to Antioch, where they called a general meeting of the believers and delivered the letter. There was a great joy throughout the church that day as they read this encouraging message. Then Judas and Silas, both being prophets, spoke at length to the believers, encouraging and strengthening their faith. They stayed for a while, and then the believers sent them back to the church in Jerusalem with a blessing of peace. Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch. They and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord there. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached and the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. 
Then he traveled throughout Syria and Cilicia Cilicia and strengthening the churches there. Yeah, fantastic story we've got right here. So there's a couple of different things that take place. What was the reaction of the believers when they get the letter from uh, Jerusalem? Oh, they're super delighted about it. Great joy went throughout the church, it says. Absolutely, because now they see that there is, you know, there's no there is no necessity for this impediment that some people are trying to place on the new believers that they are uh, you know, have to undergo undergo in circumcision mm-hmm. and as a result of that you know you can imagine that they would be very excited yeah there's all- you imagine if you're a Christian you yeah. you know well I guess you can't imagine but I can imagine being a Christian I'm not circumcised Paul has said you don't need to be circumcised. And then it goes to the general church council and it's like, oh, what's going to be the decision mm-hmm. of the church council right yeah, now? Yeah. You know? um, are we going to get word back and, and am I going to then have to make a decision, okay, I'm going to be circumcised or leave Christianity? You know, it would be a pretty heavy decision to make, particularly when you've made a full entire surrender of your life to Jesus Christ. It would be very, very challenging at, true. at, at, at this time. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so, yeah, they are certainly um, understanding – why there was great rejoicing in the church um, at that period. Uh, and uh, Yeah, and also anytime there's like a conclusion of, of, you know, some sort of contentious point, there's usually a sigh of relief from everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so there's a, um, there's a lesson, that, there's a question that comes up in the study guide. I'm going to read it to you, Mon, mm-hmm. and I want to get your thoughts on this. It says this, be honest with yourself. How difficult it is for you to have fellowship with believers from other races, cultures, and even social classes. How difficult is it? Yeah. To worship with them? Yeah. Well, to be honest, I, I don't often worship with other believers because when I do worship like at, a, at a, like an organized event, it's usually with other Seventh-day Adventists. However, I have had um, experience when I was Bible working uh, a few years ago. Uh, the first thing that popped into my mind was we were worshiping. Um, this is believers from other races rather than... Oh, the case is not religious. So beliefs. races, cultures, and social classes was what the question said. I don't. I don't have. Any, it's never even crossed my mind. Yeah, I tend to agree with. I that. I guess that's why I jumped immediately to <laughs> the conclusion that you met someone of a different religion. Yeah, but yeah, I, it doesn't even occur to me. Like, why? Why should it? Yeah, we're all there worshiping God. Okay, but all right. Well, then let's come back to uh, other religions. Um, you're a Seventh Day Adventist, and so you mostly go to an Adventist church. Uh, you've done, I guess, what, funerals and weddings and so forth in different churches? Yeah. No, I remember one time we actually went to a Bible study and there was, it was a, like a mixed religion, like all Christians, but there was just a weird Bible study. And some of them were really, really excited about this video they wanted us to watch. And it was about some, I think it was an evangelical preacher preaching about how he had been taken up to heaven and then brought back to earth and how he'd seen the power of God and how God was so powerful that even if he like wiggled a finger, angels around him would like fly and smack into the wall because God's power was so big he could barely control it. And I just remember him being extremely uncomfortable at what this guy was saying and and just wanting to leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was my experience. But uh, but yeah, and, and these people these people just thought it was like the best thing ever. Yeah, yeah. It's um it it can be a little bit confronting at times and and I have to agree with you I actually feel much more comfortable in a congregation that is multicultural than I do in a congregation that is say you know all white you know I'm part Sri Lankan but I have you know Australian I'm Australian culture mm-hmm. and so that's where I, I identify with white Australian culture uh, and I've ministered for so long in Sydney where it is so multicultural that when I go to a church 
you know, say one of our more regional churches where it's just mostly white, it just makes me feel uncomfortable. It is a bit weird. It feels it feels it feels abnormal. It's just like yeah. this is not what this is not what Christianity looks like. Yeah, and it, it makes me a little bit uncomfortable as well because. Look, growing up, I was the the multicultural pit. So yeah, like, yeah, when yeah, my family the... turned up, we bought the flavor. <laughs> <laughs> you, <laughs> you guys are the ones that couldn't speak English. Yeah, that's us. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. So no, I know what I know what you mean. But so you've been on both sides of the equation. Yeah, yeah. I think when people look at me, they just they presume I'm just a white Australian. Yeah, but yeah. They don't realize. I don't, I don't, when you went to school, took you took me a while to sound like this. <laughs> <laughs> you have mastered it well, Mon. Yeah, you have thanks. mastered it well. Probably thanks. better than probably better than a lot of um, Australian-born Australians. Yeah, yeah. I can I can make it real, like you know, ochre, <laughs> but it's not natural for me. <laughs> uh, dear. Yeah, I think that um, you know the whole concept of racism is is completely abhorrent to Christianity. Do you ever feel okay, so let's think about, you know, some of the conflicts that we have in our world. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, for the last what, 15, 20 years, the big conflict has been the war on terror. Mm. Do you ever feel uncomfortable about, you know, say for instance, hanging out with people from the Middle East? Oh, that's a good question. I have a, a very good friend who was involved uh, with ministry that was um, specifically aimed at Muslims, and um, yeah, when 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 uh, when Middle Easterns would come to church, I'd, I'd just be rejoicing that they were at yeah. church. Um, but hear, hearing her talk about you know going into their homes and and fellowshipping with them, um, I, it was interesting to. I don't know. I think there'd always be like a part of you that's like on a lookout to some extent, you know, looking for like, mm. you know, because of what, what the Quran says in terms of like, you know, how you're supposed to like tap the woman but then it gets misconstrued as hitting people and this kind of thing. You sort of always be on the lookout, I think, for like, oh, oh there it is. There's that, you know, that salaciousness we hear about on the media kind of a thing. Mm, mm, mm. But um, I don't really have much experience hanging out with them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I if know, I have, I haven't realized. I have, I have some friends who like I didn't even realize they were Middle Eastern until like ages later. I'm like, oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And they're just Aussies like everybody else. Yeah. Um, I, I guess probably my biggest confrontation would have, with it would have been traveling through the Middle East. And I remember going through Iran, and there were some things in Iran that surprised me. Mm-hmm. In that women were very, very highly educated. Mm. Um, lots of women with. You know, university degrees. I think they were saying that there was more women in Iran that have a university degree than men. Okay, which is bizarre because you know you're not allowed to do that in say Saudi Arabia. But um, and then of course, but they're like, oh yeah, but we're not Arabs, um, and the Arabs were like, yeah, yeah, but we're not we're not Persians. Um, and uh, but you know, there would be things there that I would see on the other hand that I'd find really disturbing. Like you'd look at the public transport and all mm-hmm. the men would be in the front of the bus and all the women would be in the back of the bus mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and for a westerner i would find that really really offensive yeah yeah you know because this this is like uh you know it goes back to like the whole jim crow thing in the in the united states where you'd have you know um black buses and white buses or black people in the back and white people in the front and, mm-hmm. and these kind of things taking place and so yeah, you look at these cultures and there are certain things about them that are very, very different from mm-hmm, us. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole uh, burqa um, head covering um, system I find very insulting to men mm-hmm. uh, because it's it's an implication that all men, you know, have no self-control. Mm-hmm. I find it insulting to women. Yeah. Um, 
and you know I find it offensive. But you know, should I should I find these things? You know, it's, it's part of their culture. It's who they are. They don't have a problem with it. Uh, it's part of their religion, and uh, every person has a right to serve God according to their conscience. So should I actually have a problem with? these kinds of issues and should I just give them you know total religious liberty like God does hey if you have an opinion give us a call 1-800-FAITH-FM is the number we'll talk about it drawn to what I could not understand And for the cause of Christ I have spent my days believing What He'd have me be is who I am As I've come to see the weaker side of me I realized His grace is what I need When sin demanded justice for my soul Mercy said no I'm not gonna let you go I'm not gonna let you slip away You don't have to be afraid Mercy said no To save us from the cross, he built a bridge to set us free. All but deep within our hearts, there is still a war that rages and makes the sacrifice so hard to see. And as midnight fell on crucifixion day.
Welcome back, everybody. That was the Bald Brothers with Mercy Said No. We still don't have anyone that has taken the- It's a hard quiz today. It's not a hard quiz. It is. Oh, calm down. It's quiz. such a hard quiz. Okay. This guy was named after a Greek god. He was. He was actually a very famous Greek god. Okay, clue number four. Paul said that he planted the seed. I watered it, but God made it grow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look up your stories in the Bible, find out who that is. Kind of relates to our question of the day that's coming up. Oh, it does? Yeah. Oh, how about that? Find it Acts chapter. I mean, I won't give that one away yet. If you know who it is, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM. Okay, so let's go to uh, back to our Bible study from the book of Acts. We're talking about the Jerusalem Council. And here's a question for you, Mon. Yes. I want to get your thoughts on this. Yes. The Jerusalem Council. Yes. They make a pronouncement. Uh-huh. Is this the voice of God? Yes. Okay, so when our church has a council mm-hmm. and makes a pronouncement, mm-hmm. is that the voice of God? I feel like our church has changed a lot since back then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what's the difference between the Jesuits. two? Jesuits. <laughs> 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 At the bottom of every good conspiracy, right? <laughs> Behind every tree. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's always the Jesuits. <laughs> um, I, I, I guess because back then... And if there's any good Jesuits out there, please, we're not picking on you today. We're just yes, like... we are. No, 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 we're not. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys do know that you're at the bottom of every good conspiracy. I hope you yeah, realise that. Yeah, um, oh, Well, it's so hard to say one is and one isn't. Um, I think because I... Maybe... And do you know what? Maybe there, there was someone in the Christian congregation back then who, like me, was looking at it going... Okay, because... being outraged. Here's, here's an example, myself, right? Here's an example, There's no right? way this could be God. So yeah. at, at our large... In the Adventist church, put it in an Adventist context, because all churches have general church councils, like the mm-hmm. one that was held in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the first one. Mm-hmm. And we had one a couple of years ago where we voted on women's ordination mm-hmm. and decided not to ordain women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So is this the voice of God? We have stated, yes, the Jerusalem council, this was the voice of God. Look, we... Um, you know, we have to trust that the Lord will lead his church, mm-hmm. and uh, which can sometimes be hard to swallow, not because of what God, where God leads, but because of um, the people that we see working within the church structure. And so we look at them, we see how as imperfect they are, they, they do things that we might not like personally, and so that makes us think, oh, how could God possibly be leading through that? And I think that's, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. But I do think that we need to trust the Lord is leading... I don't know, but you know, the, <laughs> I come back it to also prophesies the church is going to apostatize, and so obviously the Lord's not leading us there. I'm, I'm going to come back to it in a moment. You know why? Why? Because we have uh, Rhino on the phone from Adelaide who has who wants to take a stab at the quiz. Ooh, go on, go on. Rhino, welcome to the show. Hello. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Yes, can you hear me? I can. Yeah, wow. Good. You'd like to have a go at the quiz? Yeah, I, I figure it's a polish. Congratulations. Nice work, Rhino. Now, are we sending this prize to South Africa? Because that's where it sounds like you're from. (laughs) Yes, I am, but you don't have to know. (laughs) (laughs) We only have, according to my screen here, we only have to send it to Adelaide. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. (laughs) Nice work, Rhino. Indeed, the answer was Apollos. And I'm really happy because our next clue was as simple as my name begins with A. So I kind of ran out of clues. We're going to send you a CD today. I had it on uh, the fight between Cephas and who the people were baptized on. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, good job. Yeah, but I thought it's so easy someone would have to phone in and get this. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Friday, Rhino. All our brains are turning into mush for the weekend. I guess, I guess. yeah. Well... <laughs> 
maybe hopefully everyone's in preparation of Sabbath. So. Amen, amen. And you have a happy Sabbath <laughs> when it comes in tonight, Ryan. We will get a music album sent out to you in the next few days, and you will be sure to enjoy that. That's really cool. So that was Rhino there with uh, the answer to the quiz. Apollos. That's really funny. Do you know my dad's nickname is Rhino? Oh, is that so? Yeah, because his name is Reinhard. And so, oh, of um, course. His, Aussies being Aussies. His tradie mates here in Australia call him Rhino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, when, when, when you first said Rhino's called him, like, my dad's on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too funny. Uh, there you go. Very Where good. Where were we? Uh, we were, oh, okay, yes, so we're talking about church councils. Okay, so here's what I see as being a very big difference between church councils that are held today mm-hmm. and church councils that are held back then. Go on. Yep. Uh, the big difference is that this was... It's, just get off that. <laughs> um, the big difference is that here you had direct um, guidance by God mm-hmm. through the gift of prophecy. Oh. And you had, you know, the apostles... That's true. Peter so had that vision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. There was... Um, God had actually spoken yep. previous to this yep. through Peter's vision. And the decision was made very, very clear, and they just had to uh, to, to work it through. Do you think mm. there were people that were deeply disappointed with the decision that was made? Yes. And do you think that they thought about starting their own church and Absolutely. splitting off? And Absolutely. And do you know why? Because we're stupid humans and change for some reason scares us. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And whenever we have a decision that we don't agree with, it's like, well, that's it. I'm going to go and start my own church. Yeah. Because you'd think that doing away with circumcision would be a welcome change. And yet here we have people who are scared of change. So. And I think when it comes to a church council, we need to go into church councils with a tremendous amount of prayer mm-hmm. and faith in God mm-hmm. and a recognition that, you know, the decision may not go our way and we may not believe that it is right. Mm-hmm. But that we have all prayed about this mm-hmm. and we have to trust in God's hands that whether this is right or wrong, this is the direction that the church is going to take at this particular time and that we need to, you know, put those divisions behind us and say, okay, this is still God's church. Yeah. Weak and failing though it may be. Yeah. That's, and, that's, uh, a, that's a crucial point. Even though, even though the church might be doing stupid stuff, we shouldn't abandon ship. Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. just, 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 just get on with the work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of these decisions, we feel that they're big, but in the long run, you know, we have a work to do, and we can all do that work, and it's not going to make any difference to you or to me as to our ability to be able to go and share the gospel with people. You know, over a decision like you know, women's ordination or something like this. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, you know, that's that's just one example, but it was one that um, you know has created quite a, a level of controversy. Across, you know, all evangelical churches, mm-hmm. and I predict that sooner or later it will become a an issue within, you know, um, Catholic and Orthodox churches as well. Yeah, and yeah, we need to uh, we need to we need to go into these these things with a tremendous amount of prayer and faith in God that God's will, even if we don't agree with God's will, is going to be done. And I think one of the saddest things is when you hear of your friends who have decided to leave the church because the church leaders are, are you know, not doing what they want them to do and they're, you know, being corrupt and being silly and that kind of thing. Yeah, and we do have corrupt church leaders. Yeah, absolutely. Every church has corrupt absolutely. church leaders. And, um, but I think it's sad that to choose to leave 
uh, the church because of that, because we shouldn't be looking to those leaders. We should be looking to Jesus. Exactly. And realizing that we ourselves are, are riddled with imperfections. Absolutely. And um, and yeah, so it's never a good enough excuse to leave to leave um, the church, especially because this is what the, the Lord has called <coughs> you to do. That's right, because if you go over to 1 Corinthians, let's, let's flick over there very, very quickly. We don't have a lot of time left here, but I just want to illustrate something here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Mm-hmm. First Corinthians chapter 1 and the first line of verse 2, the Bible says, Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. So whose church was at Corinth, according to that verse? God's church. And then you read the history of this church as you go through the book of First Corinthians. Mm-hmm. The Bible says they were all divided. Then Paul says, you're all unconverted. That's chapter 3, verse 3. Then it says, you've got you know really devious sexual perverts amongst you mm-hmm. and nobody's doing anything about it. Then they're going to court with each other. Then they've got a problem with speaking in tongues. Then they're using alcohol in the communion service. Then they've got people teaching um, that there's no resurrection of the dead. You know, And I could go on and on and on through the book of, Cor- of, of 1 Corinthians. Mm-hmm. This church was messed up and yeah. its leadership was severely messed up, but it was God's church because... It had, even though it wasn't sharing it, but it had been given the message from God. It had been given the gospel message to share to the world. Amen. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. Strangely dim In the light of His glory and grace To Jesus I surrender To Him I freely give I will ever love and trust Him In His presence daily
know that fear and anxiety are the most common mental conditions in Australia. On average, one in four people will experience anxiety at some stage in their life. I'm David Stojic, counselor and pastor of Living Abundantly Adventist Church. We are hosting speaker Danny Milenko to provide a scriptural perspective on this topic. Join us at 11 a.m. Saturday, September 8 at the Warburg Community Center here in Newcastle and visit discoverhopeseries.com for more information. Sick, sick so very long But she heard my Jesus was passing by So she joined the gathering throng And while she was pushing her way through Someone asked her What are you trying to do? She said if I could just touch the hem of his garment I know I She had no, had no more to spare The doctors, they done all they could But their medicine would do no good When she touched him, the Savior didn't see But still he turned around and cried Somebody touch me She said it was I who just wanna touch the hem of your garment I know I made whole right now. She stood there crying, oh, 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 and oh, said if I could just touch the hem of your garment, I know I'll be made whole right Welcome back, guys. That was Sam Cook with Touch the Hem of His Garment. Here on Faith FM, we have come to our question of the day. Time of the day, the quiz has been snapped up. It is gone. And congratulations to Rhino in Adelaide, who got the correct answer as Apollos. Indeed. Okay, Lyle, question of the day today is, I don't know why I'm holding the quiz card. That's not the right card. Okay, the question is, where does baptism come from? Because, like, you know, did someone just invent it? Like, where was the institute? It's not mentioned in the Ten Commandments. Like, what's the deal there? Yeah, good question. Okay, so where did baptism come from? Did John the Baptist make it up? Because, you know, John the Baptist, John the... That's a really good observation. Okay, so the first time that baptism is mentioned is when John baptizes people. That's the first time it's mentioned in the Bible. Mm -hmm. So where did where did John get this idea from? Did you know? Did God just come down and communicate? Okay, this is what I want you to do, and this is how I want you to do it. Well, that's possible. Mm -hmm. However, it's interesting that the Jewish nation had um, a ritual cleansing that they called tevila. And uh, this was a, a process that they would, you know, they do on various special occasions. But it was in particular used when somebody wanted to join the Jewish religion. In other words, for a proselyte, 
somebody who has come in from outside a Gentile, they join the Jewish religion, that you know they're circumcised, and then they are ritually cleansed with tevila. And you go into many of these um, Jewish settlements, you know, from the first century AD, the time of Christ, and you'll find these large baths where they would actually go through this ritual immersion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so there's a carryover from that then, of course, into what we now know as Christian baptism because the word baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo, which literally means to immerse. It has no other meaning, has never had any other meaning um, as a word other than to immerse. So, for instance, when you take your dishes and you wash your dishes, you baptizo them in the sink because you have immersed <laughs> them in the sink. So. Should I be praying over my dishes when I do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Baptize all of your dishes this afternoon. Okay, no, that's not what we're actually doing when we wash dishes, but that's what the word means. It means mm, to immerse. Okay. Yep. Okay, so then we've got it coming into the Christian context. John the Baptist introduces the concept of baptism as a form of cleansing of going from the old life to the new. And Jesus explains this in uh, John chapter 3. We'll just flick over here very quickly. John chapter 3, and you'll go to, uh, <coughs> let me see here, verse 5. Jesus answered and said, Truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man is born of water, And the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. This is just after he has said, except a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so baptism becomes a symbol in Christianity of a new life. Washing the old life away, receiving a new life. And of course, Jesus gave us the example of how we actually do it. And so if you go back to uh, the book, and, and by the way, of course, there he uses the word accept. Um, you know, except or unless a person is baptized, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so Jesus states that this is something that's very, very important for the Christian. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 9, the Bible says, It came to pass, or it happened in those days, that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized or immersed of John in the Jordan. And straight away coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. So notice here that Jesus was not baptized near the Jordan. He was not baptized in the region of the Jordan. He was baptized in the Jordan River. Mm-hmm. The Bible says he was immersed in the Jordan River. And then immediately it goes on, it says, and straight away coming up out of the water. The only way that you can come up out of the water is if you have previous to that been down in the water. Makes sense. So John the Baptist has baptized him there in the water. And the reason the Bible says in John chapter 3 that he chose this location, um, you know, Salem near to Aenon, was because that this was a location where there was much water. There was a lot of water there. There was deep water. There was water that was deep enough to actually immerse people. Because Jordan River's, you know, it's not a, it's not a huge river um, by, you know, by international standards. Okay, so why then is baptism so important? Why does Jesus say, you know, unless you uh, are baptized, you cannot enter the kingdom of God? Paul explains the symbolism of baptism for us. And in Romans chapter 6, verse 3, the Bible says, Know ye not that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead, even so we also should walk in a new life. So baptism is a symbol of death, burial, and then resurrection. Death to the old man, or the old person we should say, the person that you used to be, 
uh, death to that person, and then, of course, burial of that person, resurrection in a new life. And it's a great symbol, you know, because when a person goes down into the water, typically you're going to, you know, close your eyes, you're going to stop breathing, and this is what we often do. You know, we will close a person's eyes when they die. Obviously, they've stopped breathing. Then they disappear under the water. You can't see them above the surface of the water. Then the process is reversed where they come back up out of the water, they open their eyes, they start breathing again. It is a symbol of death to the old person and a new life in Christ where you know the old person has died and gone away. And this is something God asks us to do. Absolutely. It's a great symbol. It's a symbol that you do in front of witnesses as a testimony to the power of God. Well, this is John the Baptist by John Thurlow. If you have a question... Years of living in the desert Crying out, make way for one who's greater than me Now I'm here in prison Death is in my vision Is it true that you're really here? You say Blind men see And cripples stand to their feet Deaf men hear Welcome back, guys. That was John Thurlow with John the Baptist. Very fitting to our uh, question of the day right there. And uh, we have now come to the end of our show where we get to give something away for free. And this book is called The Ultimate Race, Steps to Jesus. 
So, uh, what, tell us all about it, Mon. On the back it says, no driver wins a championship on their own. Every race is a team effort. Sponsors create the car, provide finances and drum up publicity. A chief crew studies the overall situation and gives directions. The pit crew fuels the car and changes the worn tyres. A spotter prevents collisions by warning the driver of impending disasters. Life is actually a team effort. With Jesus as our sponsor, creator, chief and spotter, we'll know which turns to make and what pitfalls to avoid. And only the one who made us knows what is best for us. And only he can steer us to the finish line and onward to victory. Mm. Mm, yeah, very interesting. So you, you can get a copy of this for free, totally for free today. Just give us a call right now, 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. And uh, we'll send you this book. It's called The Ultimate Race. It's by E.G. White. And uh, be the first person through, we'll give it to you for free. Absolutely. And, of course, if you would like to know more about the Bible, then give us a call. We love to connect people with learning more about the Bible. And uh, as a result of that, we have contacts right across Australia, right across the world. Anywhere you are, give us a challenge. We will find somewhere where there is either a small group operating in your area or a one-on-one Bible study you could even do. Or if you would like to do a course, we have a multitude, at least 17 or 18 different Bible courses that we can offer you where you can do a course, receive a certificate at the end of that, and uh, even go to uh, Bible College. We have uh, right here in in, uh, North New South Wales, we have the Arise Bible College. Might be something that you're interested in. So keep all of these things in mind because there is nothing better than knowing more about Jesus Christ and learning Him through the study of the Bible on a daily basis. Stay tuned, friends. We look forward to you joining us for the rest of the show. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some.
This means I would be tall. 